Hey everyone, you're listening to the Connect Church Podcast. We hope this sermon inspires you as well as builds your faith. Enjoy the message. We are talking about we get to, right? We started a series last week called We Get To, and we're talking about we get to serve, not we have to. And last week we talked about how there are things that God is calling us all to do, And we get to do them. We talked about the difference between having to do something and getting to do something. We talked about how Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. He chose to. He got to go to the cross. I made this bold statement last week, and I told you that I believed in a church that had a 100% serving rate. Thanks, Lena. Thanks. I did. I told everybody last week that I felt like a really healthy church had everybody that was part of the church that they actually did something in the church. Doesn't mean, Adrian, that you got to get up there and sing on Sundays, but I feel like to be part of the church and really do something, maybe you could do like a hip-hop dance while they're singing. Just like get up there and like bust a move. Just stand there the whole time, just dancing. Like one move like this. Just okay. But I feel like a really healthy church is a church where every single person who is connected to the church right, who is part of the church, who says, this is my church home, I feel like they are serving and using the gifts that God has given them in some way. And we even, we are doing our next course right now for people to find out who they are and to connect with the church. And in our class today was the third week of that class, and it's a test you take to find out your personality type and to find out your spiritual giftings, to find out where the best place for you to use your gifts are in the church. And then we looked at 1 Peter 4.10. Can we put that up, Um, Jaden, do we have that slide? And it says this, God has given each of you, everybody say each of you. Rain, dude, you have, you have a gift, man. You have a gift, Adrian. Girls, ladies, you have gifts. You have a gift. You're welcome. Girls, you have gifts, right? You have a gift. Tony, you've got a gift. Everybody in here has a gift that God has placed inside of them from his great variety. And I told you how much I love that word great variety of spiritual gifts because it tells us that all of us are going to look different and there's things that God has given each of us to do and they're all varied and they're all different. But what he does want is all of us using those gifts, right? So that's what we talked about last week. Now let's go back to Mark chapter 10. And this is where we started last week. And today we're going to look in verse 42. And it says this. And I'm reading still out of the New Living Translation. It says, um, So Jesus called them all together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over over those under them. They lord it over them, and they flaunt their authority. People in the world strive to get ahead because of prestige, power, wealth, recognition, acknowledgement. It makes them feel better about themselves. This is why people in the world do this. He says, the rulers in this world, they lord it over their people. They let them know, hey, 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 I'm your boss. You have to listen to me. You got to do what I say. No, no, no. No, you can't do that. Did somebody tell you? No, you can't do that. I'm the boss here. I'm the one who's in charge. You sit there and be quiet until I tell you to do something. And then when I tell you to do something, then you can do it. Have any of you ever experienced a boss like that? Uh, Yes, yes. 
I have. It's not awesome, is it? Cam, you can't answer that question. <laughs> Cam works for Pat, just for, so everybody knows in the room. But that's how the world is set up. That's the world system. People strive to get ahead in the world so that they have people underneath them that are under their thumb, that are under their feet, that they can feel good about themselves, that they can boss around, that they can make them do whatever they want them to do because they're the ones in charge. That's the world system. But God's system we looked at last week, and it's what? God's system is to come and to serve people. Bible says, going on in these verses, it says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And that's what we were doing yesterday. When we were out in the park, what were we doing? We were serving people. We were cooking hot dogs. We were giving away stuff. We were painting faces. We were making animals. We were smiling. Not real animals. We were making balloon animals. I should clarify that. Just so everybody knows. We do not have the power to make animals. We were making balloon animals. But we were out there, and what we were doing was serving those people. Talking to them. They would come up. There was people. I love watching people come up because you will see them, and they'll be like as far away as I am from Jaden at the back there, and they just kind of stand there and stare, deciding whether or not... They want to take those last 25 steps. If they really want to eat your hot dog, if they really want a cookie that bad or a can of pop or whatever, and they stand there and stare, and then you walk up to them like, hey, how's it going? And then instantly, as soon as you walk up with a smile on your face and say, hey, listen, do you want, do you want something to eat? Then that wall, that barrier is broken down, and suddenly their hearts are opened up, and they walk over to you, and they come the rest of the way. But we're there serving those people. And that's what Jesus would have done. Jesus would have been there yesterday painting those kids' faces. Jesus would have made killer balloon animals. Jesus would have made like, ah, like, like toucans with all different colors and feathers. And he'd be like, here's your balloon animal. And the kids would be like, this is amazing. He would make you the best giraffe you could ever imagine. It would be like multicolored. It would probably be life-size. And then you'd be like, thanks, Jesus. What am I supposed to do with this? And he'd say, I don't know, man. You asked for a giraffe, so here you go. He'd be like, it's alive. This giraffe, this balloon giraffe is actually alive, Jesus. And he says, I know, but you said you wanted a giraffe. And then right, you say, I don't know why I wanted a giraffe. What am I supposed to do with it? And he'd be like, hey, you can ride the giraffe home, and I'll ride with Adrian in the car. Problem solved. I don't know how we got there, but we got there, and we're moving on. <clears throat> so we see that God's purpose of serving is serving and, and laying down your own life and preferring others above yourself, right? Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. And uh, I think we only have verse 6 on the slide, but I'm going to back it up a bit and start in verse 3. And Peter is talking, he says this, he says, now we just read how the world lords it over people and flaunts their authority. And Peter says right off, the, right off the bat here in verse 3, don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, who is Jesus, Jesus is the great shepherd, just so everybody knows, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you younger men must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you serve each other in humility. Serve each other in humility. Look at somebody close by you and say, I will serve you. Adrian, you're not saying it, man. I will serve you. Say, I will serve you. In humility. Mm. You know what I've learned in life? One of the... One of the 
few things I've learned in life is that people really like to be served, but a lot of people really don't like to do the serving. Have you ever noticed that? Everybody enjoys being served. Like, really, they enjoy it. Like, you love it when someone takes care of you. You love it when you go out to dinner and you have, like, a great waiter or waitress serving you your dinner, right? But how many of us actually love serving other people? I know you do. It's very evident that you do, right? We can, can we not all agree that Lena loves serving people? Well, I wasn't saying let's clap for her. I wasn't saying let's, let's cheer for Lena. I'm just saying, is not that gift evident in Lena's life? Now, let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer this, but just think about it as I ask you this. So if Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, shouldn't all of our lives look a little more like Jesus's and Lena's? It probably should, shouldn't it? We're called, Peter just says here, serve one another in humility. I'm called to serve Adrian. I'm called to serve Cameron. I'm called to serve everybody. I mean, he says, serve one another. There's no other qualifiers on that. He doesn't say, serve only your family in humility. He doesn't say, serve only your mom and dad in humility. He doesn't say, serve only the people you like. He says, serve one another, which means that we're called just to serve wherever we go in whatever way we can, wherever we find ourselves. China, you are called to serve one another in humility. It means like you are preferring other people above yourself. And I'll tell you what, honest truth, that's really hard for some people. It is. So in verse 6 here, he's still talking, and he says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. So number one, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Well, to humble yourself, you have to realize that you're not the top dog, that you're not number one, that people aren't here to serve you. You're here to serve them. He says, so humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up. See, people in the world, the way we live, not us, but other people, is they're always trying to get ahead. They're always trying to be noticed. They want to be noticed. They want to be famous. They want to be taken care of. They are always trying to lift themselves up. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. This is how you live life. You humble yourself and you get low and you get down and you serve everybody else. Humble yourself. Here I am to serve you. And then he says, at the right time. And that's important. It's important for you to know there is a time when God wants to raise you up. There's a time in your life when God wants to lift you up and give you honor. But the thing is, it's in his timing. It's not your timing. We live in a day and an age where we try and take everything into our hands. We live in a day and an age where, where the drive through at Tim Hortons when it takes two and a half minutes is too long for us and we get angry. Or when you go to McDonald's and you sit there for three minutes you're mad because your fries are cold and long and hard and you've been waiting so long for this and now three whole minutes of my life are gone. This cheeseburger is disgusting and I want to throw it on the floor. But we are called to serve one another in love. In all humility is how we're called to do that. And at the right time, which means you have to learn, ready for this? To be patient. Ugh. Patient. Patient. 
Now, if I am correct, and I usually am, <laughs> we took a test this morning, and one of the questions in the test said, I am right most of the time. And you had to answer one to five how right you felt like you were most of the time. If I'm correct about this, I'm pretty sure that in Galatians chapter 5, one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. You've got to learn to be patient because at the right time, God will lift you up in honor. Now, what does that look like? Is there anybody in the Bible that we could look at that said they had a great dream for their life, they had a great plan for their life, and something transpired and happened, and they had to wait for God to glorify them and lift them up and honor them? Is there anybody at all that we could? I feel like this is a loaded question because, yes, there is. There's a... <laughs> yes, there is a great big book on all kinds of people that had to live their life like this. Peter says, humble yourself. Humble yourself. You've got to start by humbling yourself and realizing inside of your own heart and mind that first and foremost, you are called here, and one of the things you are called to do is to serve one another. You are not the top dog. I am not the top dog. I am here to serve each and every one of you. Anybody who walks through this door, I am here to serve them. Anybody I meet on the street, what am I called to do? I am called to serve those people. At the right time, you've got to be patient. At the right time, God will lift you up. So let's go look at a good example of this. Let's go to Genesis. And we're going to look at a boy named Joseph. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 37. Starting in verse 1. We're going to just read different sections. This is a long story. And it's actually, it's about mm, 8 or 9, maybe 10 chapters and it's all about one section of Joseph's life, which spans about 13 years. And it's probably actually one of the longest sections in the Bible where it gives us a real good look into somebody's life. And when God spoke to them, what the process it was for them to walk through to get from what God said to them to where God wanted them. When God speaks to us, when you hear God tell you something about your life, a lot of us, the way we receive it is like a drive through God says this and this to you, and you're like, okay, so I'll get that tomorrow. I'll be that person tomorrow. I'll do those things tomorrow. And when tomorrow comes and you're not doing them, what happens? You get mad. You get angry. You're like, well, this didn't happen. God said this was going to take place, and it didn't happen. So now what? But we see through the life of Joseph that there's a process that has to take place. Now, in Genesis chapter 37, let's look at this. Starting in verse 1, it says, This is the account. Uh, so Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. And this is the account of Jacob and his family. And when Joseph was 17 years old, 17, just a kid. How old are you? Oh, how old are you? Mm. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. Kylie, you're 16. Do we have anybody here 17? How old are you guys? 22. 
She just left. I know. She just left. Right when we needed somebody who was 17. Sierra was playing bass this morning. She is 17 years old. 17 years old. <clears throat> Do you really know a lot when you're 17? Everything. I mean, you think you know everything, right? Like, you think you know absolutely everything. You're like, please quit telling me this stuff. I know more than you. I know you're, you're 20 years old. I know you're 30 years old. I know you're 40 years old. I know you're 50 years old. I know you're 60. I know you've been married for 30 years. I know you've been, I know you've been through all these experiences. But guess what? I'm 17, and I probably know more than you. So, something happens when you're a teenager, and you feel like you really do know everything. I don't know what it is. There's like some kind of chemical imbalance. Do any of you remember being that age? I do. And I look back at it now, I'm like, oh my, what was wrong with me? What was, don't follow in our footsteps. Be humble. Learn from us all. So Jacob had a son named Joseph, and Joseph was 17 years old. And he often tended his dad's flocks, and he worked for his half-brothers, the son of his dad's wives. And when Joseph would do this, it says, Joseph reported to his dad some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Hmm. Yeah, sounds to me like Joseph was a bit of a tattletale. Sounds to me like Joseph broke the, like, brother and sister code. You know the code. Like, you don't tell on your brothers and sisters. You don't snitch because snitches get stitches. <laughs> right, Tony? <laughs> you don't snitch. You don't snitch. But Joseph, he was a snitch. And what was worse is you go on to the next verse here and you find out this. Verse 3 starts out and it says, Jacob, who is the dad, loved Joseph more than any of his other kids because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So not only was Joseph a snitch, but Joseph was the favorite boy in the whole family. So you could understand that his brothers would not like him very much, right? And so one night, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase this for time's sake. One night, Joseph goes to bed and he has a dream and he gets up in the morning and he says, guys, get all his brothers together. He says, guys, I had this dream where we were all out in the field and there was 11 sheaves of hay, like these big bales of hay kind of thing. And all of yours bowed down to mine. What a donut. Come on. Who tells their, listen, you're already the favorite you're already the baby, and then you go to the brothers who don't like you and be like, guys, guess what my dream was last night? You were all bowing down to me. You guys want to go hang out? No, we want to beat you up. That's what we want to do right now. And they said, they were mad. Of course they were mad. The Bible says they hated them even more for it. And then in verse um, 8, his brothers say to him, you think you're going to be our king? Do you think we will actually reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and they talked and the way he talked about them. Soon in verse 9 it says, Joseph had another dream. You think the kid would learn from his first lesson, but he didn't. Because he was 17 and I feel like he thought he knew everything in life. 
So he has another dream, and he gets up in the morning, and he tells his whole family. Gets his whole family together, not just his brothers at the time. Now it's his mom and his dad, too. He's like, guys, I had this great dream last night. And last night I was dreaming that the sun and the moon and 11 stars were all bowing down before me. This kid does not learn from life's experiences. If I could tell you anything, learn from your life experiences. Move forward in life, learning from your experiences. And he says, um, in verse... Um, in 10, his dad says to him, what kind of dream is that? Will your mom and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? Now, jumping ahead for the sake of time, yes, we know the answer, don't we? That's exactly what ends up happening at the end of this story, is that his mom and his dad and his 11 brothers come and they bow down before Joseph. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his dad was wondering what all these dreams meant. Now you can tell by the screen that I am clearly paraphrasing these verses. God will give you dreams in your life. God will speak to you. There will be things that he puts in your heart about who you are called to be, what that's supposed to look like, where you're supposed to go. This dream was accurate, wasn't it? We know the end of the story, and at the end of the story, these things in the dream take place. So we know that this was a dream from God. But there were some things that Joseph had to learn and had to go through before that dream took place. Do you know that it's 13 years from the time Joseph has this dream before the dream happens, before what he dreamt about actually takes place? 13 years. There are things in your life that God has spoken to you in the past, that maybe God has spoken to you today, where you need to know that just because God spoke it, maybe you're not ready to receive it yet. And maybe some things have to be worked in you. Maybe you need to humble yourself under the mighty power of God so that he can work those things in you. And at his time, which is the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Right? So... Joseph's family is not happy with him. They think he's, well, kind of a moron. Does anybody have, like, one? Does anybody have, like, the special sibling in their family? Leaf is putting his hand up. Leaf, I think you're the special sibling. In my family, guys, like, let me just tell you my personal story. I was the baby of the family for a while. It was a great 10 years of my life. I was the baby. I was the favorite child. I was the youngest. I was, my sister was older than me, and then there was me, and it was great. For 10 years, an entire decade, I was the youngest. I got spoiled. I got, I could get anything I wanted. Not that I would, but I could. And then you know what happened? Yeah. I had a brother who came along, and suddenly I moved from that coveted, uh, coveted mm, youngest position to the loathed middle child. You know the one who has all the issues, the middle child? You're not the oldest. You're no longer the youngest. You're the middle, the one who gets overlooked, the one who's not. Do you feel my pain? Does anybody feel my pain? You're just mocking my pain. Okay? I'm not sure which it is. We all know who Joseph was like. And Joseph was the youngest, and the Bible clearly says, well, what makes it always worse is that when you know that this person is the favorite, when you know that 
dad loves this kid more, that mom loves this kid more. And everybody knew in this, in this story that Joseph was Jacob's favorite. He was the golden child. He could do no wrong. He could say no wrong. Even when he ticked off his entire family, it didn't matter because he was special. So the Bible says that uh, all the 11 sons had took the sheep out, and they were gone. They, were, they took them off to go eat some grass somewhere else and go get some water somewhere else. And then Joseph goes to go find him. We know this story. What happens? They see Joseph coming. They say, you know what? Now is our chance to get rid of Joseph. Let's throw him in a pit, and let's uh, tell our dad that an animal ate him, and then we'll be done, and he'll be gone forever. And so they all get this plan together. They throw him in a pit, and they see some traders walking by, traders like people who like traded, um, you know, stuff. Human beings was one of them, but spices and cloth and Camaros, I don't know. They traded stuff. And so these traders came by, and they said, you know what? Let's sell our brother to these people, and then he is gone for good. We don't have to worry about him anymore. So they sell Joseph to these traders, and these traders take Joseph to Egypt, and they sell him as a slave to a man named Potiphar. And the Bible says this, that as he's in Potiphar's house, he goes in, and he begins to work. And let's look at this so you can see it for yourself, because it's important how it says this. And in chapter 29, or 39... Starting in verse 1, it says, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. And Potiphar was captain of the guard of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Now, this is important. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. The Lord was with Joseph, and he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his master. So here is Joseph who had a dream that God gave him about what his life would look like. So Joseph thinks, this is what my life looks like. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm so excited that my family's going to bow down and serve me. That's what Joseph is thinking. And suddenly his dreams are stopped dead in their tracks as far as he knows. Suddenly he is sold into slavery and now he is a slave in Potiphar's house. Right? But the scripture says that the Lord was with Joseph and everything he did succeeded as he served. Promotion in your life comes through serving. I want to say that again so you can really get it. Promotion in your life in the kingdom of God comes through you serving. In the world, we step on people, we climb the ladder, we do everything we can. Not us again, other people. Of course, we don't do those things. But in the world, that's how people get ahead. They use you, they abuse you, they step on you, they crawl on you, they stand on your back to get to where they want to go. But in the kingdom of God, promotion comes for you through laying your life down and serving. We see that Joseph succeeded in everything he does. Do you know this? Do you know because we go through this story, so we all know what happens. Joseph is, in, Joseph is in Potiphar's house. He's serving. Potiphar had a wife who liked Joseph. She wanted to sleep with him. 
Joseph's like, I'm not having any of that. That's not right. I'm, I'm not okay with that. I'm not going to do it. So Joseph is serving in this house. So she lies and says that Joseph tried to rape her. Potiphar comes home like any good husband, and he is furious. And what does he do? He throws Joseph in jail. So he's already, he already had a dream where he was going to be served, and then he got sold into slavery, and now he's serving. And then from going from a servant, where does he go? Into jail. So he just keeps getting lower and lower and lower. Here's his dream. I'm a rock star. My family's going to bow down to me. And he just keeps getting farther and farther and farther away from his dream. But the Bible says that God was with him and everything he did succeeded as he served. And so it goes on and it says when he was in jail, the Lord was with him. And everything he put his hand to prospered. You know what that tells me? First of all, that tells me that God was okay with Joseph with where he was at. Ugh. God was okay with Joseph being sold into slavery. God was okay when Joseph got thrown into jail. And God will be okay with wherever you find yourself in your life today or tomorrow or last week or in three weeks from now because he will be with you there. And if you continue to lay your life down and serve, you know what's going to happen for you? you'll succeed. God will be with you, and everything you do will continue to prosper because you're laying your life down like Joseph was. God didn't leave Joseph. He goes, oh, man, you're going to jail? Mm, I can't go to jail. I can go to slavery, but I can't go to jail. That's where I draw the limits, Joseph. No, God was with them the entire way. And we go on this story, and we see that when he's in jail serving... And you know what's great? When Joseph is serving, he's doing it with his whole heart. Joseph is serving with a we-get-to attitude. He's not in jail saying, I have to do this, because you can see from the things that are being said about him that the people that he was serving gave him all control. Here he is, a, he's, he's a, a guy in jail. What is that called? Prisoner. Just making sure you're all listening, and you didn't get that answer, which I can't even believe. He's a prisoner in jail, but the Bible says that he is running the jail, that the jailer doesn't know anything that's going on except whatever Joseph is doing. Have you ever heard of that? Have, I mean, come on. Do you ever stop and just think about what the Bible is saying? Like, wait a second. So this guy's in jail, but he's running the jail? So he's in charge of the other prisoners, and he's a prisoner himself? Yes. Because he was a serving with a we get to attitude. He was serving because this is where I'm at and this is what I'm going to do. And I am going to serve one another with humility. Can I just say to you today that that is how we are called to serve. We get to serve. We don't have to. Nobody's forcing us. We don't have a taskmaster. You're not going to find me one Sunday with a leather whip out here like, whoosh, get to work, Denise. Sing that song. Whoosh. Who's doing the coffee today? Whoosh. Faster, more coffee. You're not going to find that happening. You get to do these things. You get to serve one another. You get to serve people by having a small group. It is your pleasure. It is your honor to sit down and take time and prepare and listen to what God wants to say so that when those people show up at your house, you're able to communicate what God is wanting to say through you to them so their lives are transformed and changed. It's not a we have to do something. It's a we get to do something. And that's how Joseph was serving. And because he was serving in that way, he was prospering. So the story goes on. We know how the story ends. We're going to finish up. 
story goes on. Finally, one day, there's famine in the land, and Joseph has been promoted to, uh, basically, he is running Egypt, the Bible says. He got out of jail because he interpreted a dream, and now he has gone from, he has gone from being the hated brother to the servant, to the slave, to the, to the prisoner, to now he goes from prison to running Egypt. The Bible says that, that Pharaoh gave uh, Joseph everything to do. He was in charge of everything. And so we're at the place now where the Bible says that his family's coming before them. There's the whole story about there's a famine and nobody knows where they're going to get food. But Joseph, because God told him, had stored up all the food, right? And so everybody was coming from far away to come get food from Egypt and they had to come see Joseph. And we see all these things and the, and the brothers came and, and Joseph tricked them and stuck stuff in their bag. I'm going through this story really, really fast because I want to get to this last, last verse here. And in chapter 45... In verse um, 4, we've gone through 13 years of Joseph's life. And you should take time at some point and just read this story for yourself. Because it's a really good example of God wanting to work in your life. But when God wants to work in your life, there are times where he is going to have to, you're going to have to humble yourself, like it said in 1 Peter. So at the right time, God will lift you up and honor you. The key is always who is lifting you up? It should always be God, but there's times when we are trying to exalt ourselves. There are times that you will find yourself where you are trying to lift yourself up. And when you're finding yourself doing that, it's because you're wanting to be served and not serving other people. We are called to serve one another, like we read, in all humility. That's what we're called to do. So we see here, chapter 45, verse number four, Joseph is talking to his brothers. He's got them all together. And he says this, because they don't, they don't know it's their brother. And he says, I'm Joseph, your brother, who you sold into slavery. He says, but don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. The famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvest. Verse 7 says again, God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here and not you. Do you realize that Joseph has realized in the 13 years of the trials and the temptations that he had to go through to get to where God called him to be? he realized that it wasn't his brothers that sold him. It, like, it was their brothers, but it was God's plan to serve uh, the people, to serve his family, to preserve other people, because it wasn't just Egypt that, that, that had food or stayed alive. It was people from all the surrounding areas that came to Egypt because of the wisdom that Joseph had. So my point is this, is when you serve other people, when you lay your life down and you're serving, it's not just for you. It's for what God can do in you and through you for other people. So at the right time, like he did with Joseph, he lifts him up. Joseph was lifted up from the prison to the highest in the land, and he was serving all those people. And through him, God saved an entire nation. 
When you're serving, God will lift you up at the right time. And it's not just for you. It's for all those people that you come into contact with. When you're serving in the local church, it's not just for these people here. It's for every person that walks through that door that you're serving. It's for the people that we see when we go out to the park. It's for those people. It's for the people when we do a backpack drive. It's for those people. When we do other reaches into the city, it's for those people. And God lifts you up to reach and preserve and to touch those people's lives so they are changed and transformed, so they come into an encounter with God like they've never had before. That's what serving is about. It's about you laying your life down so that God can in turn lift you back up. And when God lifts you up, it's not so you get the glory. It's not so that everybody says, oh, wow, look at Cam. He's amazing. Look at his hair. It's the best hair I've ever seen. Look at what he did at the outreach. Look what he did this thing. Look what he did. It's not so Cam gets all the glory. It's so that God gets the glory. Everybody can say, you know what? God used Cam, and all these people's lives were touched. It's about reaching out, right? It's about coming to contact with people that you have. Listen, when Joseph had that dream, in his dream, it was just his, it was just his family bowing down to him, wasn't it? But in reality, when it all came down to it, people from all over the place came to Joseph and bowed down asking for food because they were all starving. It's not just about you. It's about everybody else that you come into contact with that you can serve and lay your life down. Promotion comes through serving. The world will tell you promotion comes from you stepping on other people's back and from you fighting and clawing to get ahead. But if Jesus didn't come to be served but to serve, then our lives should look the same way. Stand up with me. I encourage you today to find some way. I don't just, I don't say this lightly. I wholeheartedly mean it. I do believe that one of the healthiest ways our church can look is everybody serving. So if you are part of Connect, I encourage you to find some way, something that you can put your hand to do so that you are serving other people. Why? Because it opens and expands your heart. Because it creates more of Christ in you and less of yourself. Because it lifts you up and God gets the glory. Humble yourself under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. I would love, I would love in the future if one of the things our church was known for was our servant's heart. That if people could say about Connect Church, you know what? I haven't heard a lot about Connect, but what I have heard is those people love to serve everyone. Those people love to get out and go give stuff away. Those people love to get out and go mow lawns. Those people love to get out and paint fences. Those people love to pick up trash. Those people love to go stand on the highway and pick up the trash on the side of the road that everybody's afraid they're going to run over that person. Those people just love to serve. Because I truly believe that serving is one of the most Christ-like characteristics that we can have. Because you can't truly serve without love. If you serve without love, 
It's just doing something. And then you fall right back in that I have to do this mentality as opposed to I get to. It's the love that gives you the I get to do this versus the I have to do this. Thank you so much for joining us today. We want to encourage you to take what you just heard and let it go deeply into your heart to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. We also want to encourage you to be a part of what's going on here at Connect. Head over to connectchurch.ca to find out how.